You know, if a lot of us look back into our younger years when we were teens, preteens, even earlier than that, and we think about those people who made the biggest impact on our lives, a lot of us that played sports will say it was our coaches. And it wasn't just the good coaches or the coaches that cared about us or the coaches that were always available to help us out. But a lot of the things we learn in life are from the coaches that weren't that great. The bad coaches, actually. So when I talk to my guest today, Austin Wheeler, we'll talk about what coaching means, how he uses coaching, and I think you guys will really appreciate this show. Let's get to it. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Relatively Normal Podcast. I am your host, Mark Paisant. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you've been with me for a while, I appreciate you. And as always, you can head over to anchor.fm or hit that link in the show notes to become a paid subscriber for as little as 99 cents a month. This show is brought to you by 6AM Run and 6AMRun.com. Head over to the website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. So, as I mentioned before, love coaching. I coach my daughters. I think we need more coaches. Um, parents, please be nice to your coaches. We all, you know, as coaches, we all know those parents. We all know those refs. We all know those spectators, the ones they may give you a little, you know, a little extra hard time, but we still love to do what we do. You know, we, you know, coaches, I empathize with you. I really appreciate what you're doing. Um, we know it's tough sometimes. So that's why I brought on my guest this week, Mr. Austin Wheeler. We're going to talk a little bit about youth coaching. We're going to talk a little bit about the role that coaching and training plays in this world, how we, you know, don't want to limit our players and want to test their limits and, and be sympathetic and empathetic at the same time while dealing with some of the parents, parents, be cool, be nice. But Austin, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go and just introduce yourself for the audience? Yeah, no problem, guys. I appreciate being here. My name is Austin Wheeler. So I actually started off as a youth coach. Now I work with adults. And to be honest, still, sometimes I, I do work at my local gym running classes, kind of just based more on general agility and performance than any one sport. But I coach basketball, football, and track for kids' sports, and now I, I do kind of more general fitness and strength training for adults. But me, kind of me and Mark were talking earlier before the show a little bit, and the going back and forth on the youth coaching thing, kind of both seeing the ins and outs of that. I think we we're gonna make a pretty good show out of that today. But also, Mark, I wanted to I guess ask you about any sort of parents that that do too much and maybe if that's something you're familiar with and and what's the way you go about that you know right, right when right when i said it a parent came to mind in my head when i was coaching basketball and it was the parent that if their if their kid was at the free throw line you know the kid would either miss a shot or make a shot they'd immediately look at their parent 
and a parent would like give them some sort of, you know, uh, coaching from the side. And, and I was actually lucky with that parent because I had another coach come to me and say, hey, I watched your game. Good job. But just let you know, this player on your team, he's not really able to listen to you as a coach because his dad is coaching him from the sideline. And, and he wasn't the only parent that's done that in, in, in my coaching career, in my youth coaching career, let me, let me specify that. But what I did in that situation is I immediately send a letter out to the entire team, to the entire parents uh, group, or have a meeting. I think in that case, I sent an email out and let them know the, the very important you know, structure of a team. And I will not come into their house and parent their child. And when we're at practices and games, I don't expect them to come onto my court and coach their kids. And, and I don't do it in a way that's malicious. I didn't do it in a way that was like, hey, like, let your kid learn. Like, this is my time. Like, you have your time the other 23 hours of the day or whatever. But that seemed to work. Um, now there's been uh, there's been other instances. Let's be honest. There's been other instances where it doesn't matter. You have that. I have had that parent that they just lived, you know, vicarious through their child. And regardless of what I do on a court, you know, they come to me after the game. Hey, I saw you did this, and and you know, my kid's been working on this, and my kid, and you know, you're playing them at the two, but I think if you played them at the one, like if, it's like you, you listen, <laughs> like you listen, but at the same time. You, you, you're very, you're very nice. You're very polite and, and say, we'll do this for, uh, for the team. Now, since you asked me that question, I would like, is that, you know, you're, you're, you're coach, you coach youth. And you said, I think, uh, track with the track basketball and football. They, I mean, all great sports, individual sports and team sports, you know, what's your, you know, for the pe- people listening, What's your kind of interaction with the parents? What is your, it, did you used to lay out kind of a game plan for the season for the parents? Is it something you, you were very interactive with your parents? How was, what was your kind of, you know, you know just thought process with parents of the uh, kids you coached? So I, I, I felt like it was not necessary that I was super close, like best, best buddies. But at the same time, I did feel like it was necessary that I knew the parents, right? So I, it wasn't like, uh, cool, kids with me, you kind of, you go do your thing, I'm running practice right now. It was like, I would I would stay after and, and definitely get to know people and stay after games and definitely get to know people. I, I, yeah, but, I think that's good. I think that's a good thing to do. Well, I just, I felt like it made difficult conversations easier which is kind of why I asked about have you ever kind of dealt with the parents that are maybe doing a little bit too much? Because I, I, so I don't know. I've never, I guess I've never tried sending out an entire message or having a a group meeting. I typically just in in the nicest way, go, Hey, let me. It, well, let me let me say this. Let me talk to you for a <laughs> let second. Let me say this. Let me say this. I've <laughs> always I've always been pro. I learned from an early. See, I started coaching 
man, uh, oh, geez, I'm about to age myself. But I, I, the first like team I coached was when I was in college. But um, and I, and I, and even as a 20 year old, 21 year old, I had a, a, a parent meeting before the, the season started. And it's for a local Y. But um, you know, I learned from an early age, early coaching that I was going to be proactive with all my all my communications with my parents and. One thing I say every season, and I'm about to do it this week because my daughter's basketball season starts on Saturday, is, you know, if you if if you feel like I'm doing something incorrectly, if you want me to coach a different way, if you think your daughter or son should be doing something differently, I just ask you to take a day. Like after a game, if you think a certain way, take that night take a day and let's talk the next day um and don't bum rush me after a game i i don't i don't say it that way but it's like hey you're you're in your feelings i'm all hyped up because we just played a game like that's a bad combination for a conversation now what i always all yeah what i always tell parents is that i am not a perfect coach I'm going to make mistakes just like your kid is going to make mistakes on the floor. Um, you know, I would love feedback. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know everything I'm doing, but what I did say every year is that I ask parents before you judge what I'm doing or judge the team's play, like make sure you're at practices. Now, in my past, I've had a, I've had a bunch of parents who were like, "Hey, I have to be away from practice because my kid gets really nervous and anxious if I watch them practice." Which I totally understand. That. That's fine. You're making a, a, a parental decision. However, I had one instance where I had a child did not play an entire second half of the game. It was a really tight game. It was competitive league. It wasn't a rec league or a junior league. It was a it was a travel league, and everyone was guaranteed 25%. And I did that, but this child did not play the entire second half. Really hard fought game. Ins and out, I couldn't fit him in the game. Mother was just absolutely pissed at me, pissed at me. And the dad called me, I was like, hey, just to let you know, my wife is not happy and she's gonna call you and she's gonna talk to you about such and such. I was like, no problem. Like I look forward to that conversation. And I asked her, I said, hey, have you been to a practice? Well, no, I haven't been able to make it to a practice. And I said, well, listen, your son is a point guard. And in my system, in, in what we're playing, like the point guard has to be vocal, has to put people in their spot, has to be the quarterback of the game, basically. And I said, your son doesn't talk. He doesn't tell people where to go. He's one of three point guards on this team. And the other two are doing exactly what I need them to do. So there's times I can't put him in the game because he's not going to speak. He's not going to tell, put people in their positions. And when I bring it up in practice, I say, hey, do you have any questions? Anybody have anything they want to say? He is dead silent. So I said, if you have that conversation with him and you guys come to practice and, and see what I'm seeing, then you know, you'll understand what I'm going through. And immediately there was the next practice. Every every dead ball, every water break went over to his parents, and I could see his mom in his ear, like, "Hey, the coach is asking for feedback. You have this is what you have to do." By the end of the season, he was playing most of the game. And it's it's conversations like that 
it's conversations like that, which I'm, I, listen, I, again, I'm not a perfect coach, but if you're going to come at me and ask me questions about your son or daughter, and you haven't been at one practice, guess what my first question is going to be? Like, that's what it's going to be. So, um, and just again, oh, this team was, this was 14 year olds. So this was, this was eighth, eighth graders about to, about to go into high school. And so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, these kids are getting prepared for freshmen, you know, JV, varsity. You know, I'm doing my best, again, for people listening. The, the purpose, and I, I think I, I, this is a good question for you too. I believe the purpose of a youth coach, of course, is to, to, for the kids to have fun and learn the game. But I think we always have to prepare them for the next coach. I was told that a long time ago. And that, that, sh- that just struck a nerve with me. I'm like, that makes sense to me. I would agree with that 100%. It's, I mean, I've always looked at it from a, I'm getting you ready for the next step or the next right. level type type of mindset. But the, yes, that that same ideal of, it's not necessarily my job to make you comfortable this year. It's my job to make mm. you dominant next talk, year. Talk about that. Talk, make you, it's not my job to make <laughs> you comfortable. I love that. I love that. It's not my job to make you comfortable now. It's my job to make you dominant later, right? So I've definitely had, I guess, if we want to go with both football and basketball, because I was an AAU basketball coach. So we're we're going and playing kids who are dunking in eighth grade, trying to figure out what colleges they're going to go to. And like, it's people are out here like fighting for spots i mean i'm coaching a team of 14 year olds i'm the smallest guy and just so people understand like if you if you haven't heard of like aau basketball it's amateur athletic union and it's like it is the the best best kit like high school games are great if you get to go to an aau tournament that it'll it'll change your mind about youth athletics but 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 go ahead Some of there, some of those games get quite heated. There's there's quite some pressure at those tournaments, right? You're on the floor getting yelled at by all kinds of people, doing <laughs> dealing with all kinds of situations, right? But I definitely think there were some lessons because I really didn't. It it was weird, and I'm not necessarily sure why, but I I think it was something that I was lucky for specifically for AAU. But I remember specifically for AAU, these parents literally just trusted. So there was no, I didn't get back talk about playing time for any of them. There was no, why is my son in this position or that position? Like it was, the, the parents weren't where I was getting the stress from. It's that I'm putting 14 year olds into a high heat term for them to go, I mean, battle kids who've got full beards and are dunking right so (laughs) it's in that kind of mindset it's not my job to make you comfortable now but dominant later there were often times where it's like i'm i'm getting more feedback from you as a 14 year old than i need necessarily so there was one one game in particular that and and it was they were bigger than us, but they were significantly less skilled than us. And and it was it was, honestly I was I was 
pissed because we just needed to box out. That was the only thing. It was just like they're just getting rebounds because they miss seven shots in a row, right? It takes us maybe two or three to knock one down, but they get all of these rebounds on both ends of the court. We're smaller than they are. We just need to push a little bit. That that would destroy them in this game. That's it. And I'm, I'm getting my point guard arguing back with me. I'm getting my two wings arguing back with me. My center's starting to argue with me now. And it's, we're going into halftime, and I'm like, look, guys, here's the unfortunate truth. I have already told you everything that you need to know to win this basketball game. You already have every single key out of my mouth after seeing this team play for the first half. You have all of it. You have what you need. But you're arguing with me. And it's not it's not getting you. So here's what we're gonna do, right? I I don't necessarily think it's tough love, but you get to 14 going into high school, it's like man, I don't know how I wanna say it. I don't know the nicest way of saying it. I, I don't want you to feel abandoned, but at some point in time. I am going to have to push you on a limb by yourself. I decided this was the game. Because it's not my job to make you comfortable. It's my job to make you dominant next year. So when it comes to you playing in front of a coach who doesn't know you, doesn't necessarily, I'm not going to say doesn't care, but right, he's got varsity guys that he's already comfortable with. You're going into high school, you're going to be a freshman, right? It's, you, you need to be ready to adapt, think, move second right second half of the game you are not going to receive any coaching you've got your point guard and your communication skills that's what you're going into the second half of the game and 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 that's it unfortunately so they got whooped the third quarter because since they didn't have me to argue with they started arguing with each other fourth quarter they figured it out made it a very close game, which was amazing for me. Because at this point, I'm in the stands eating popcorn, right? I have straight told them. Left the coaches, but you said you don't, you're not just not coaching. You're not there at the sidelines either. And I took my assistant coach with me. I love that. 100%. And that's what I mean. It was weird how much these parents trusted me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm like, look, you've got what you need. I'm going to go get some popcorn. I'm going to sit on the sidelines since you're not making any use of me. We're going to figure out how this goes, right? Over the fourth quarter, they started to to yell at each other to box out. And they started boxing out ferocious. And they brought this game back by 30 points and lost by two. Still lost, right? I go over there to this this group of quite frankly, exhausted 14-year-olds who have been running their own subs, calling their own timeouts, calling their own plays, all in, in an AAU tournament, right? This is not like, we're not, I'm not leaving you alone in a rec league. I'm leaving you alone in a in a hot place. This is the hot seat. You fight for yourself here. I get back over there, man, and these kids are looking at me, smiling, sitting there on the ground kind of like kind of irritated but kind of laughing about it and and it was amazing because I just I sat down next to him 
and we didn't really say much. They apologized a little bit, and that was pretty much the end of it. But we were able to kind of take over as a unit from there on, and it, it was it was strange to me almost how much I was like, yeah, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to leave you. But at the same time, I, I also think sometimes we as youth coaches may not give enough leash in terms oh, of... Oh, that you're absolutely correct about that. Making you uncomfortable and ready for the next level. Absolutely. I always tell people, like, especially with young kids, like they, they will limit themselves before they need to because they're just, they just want to be comfortable. They want to be comfortable. They want to, they want to sprint when they can sprint. They want to work when they can work. Right when they get tired, they'll stop. You know, they'll say, I can't do this. You know, coach, I, I, I never, I, I, I can't do this. And it's, you know, it's, it's our job to test their limits. Like we're not being mean about it, but at the same time, they won't tell you once in a while, you'll get that player and you'll, you'll notice it immediately that will test their own limits all the time. Go harder, go stronger, faster. They will just, they will run until they collapse, which is not a good thing. Let's not have kids do that. But what I'm saying, yeah, 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 I catch them ahead of time. However, you know, and a lot of time it isn't, it isn't the physical part of the game. It's those last two minutes where it's, you know, you'll tell them to box out, but again, when I coach my kids, it, yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard. P kids think, you know, and it depends on what team you have. A lot of kids nowadays think they can just, they can run forever. They won't, they will limit themselves. We're like, you know what? I'll, I'll have something left in the tank in the fourth quarter. Or, you know, two minutes left in the game, I'll have something left in the tank. Will I be trained for it? Well, no, I haven't trained, but I, I'm, I'm 12. Like, I, I'm going to keep running. It's like, no, that's, we're not talking about physical strength here. Like, Muscle memory is a real thing. And then just, I love the quote that Gina Ariama, the coach for the UConn women's team, they, they asked him about, a few years ago, they asked him about why his practices are structured the way they are. And if you get a chance, anybody who's listening, you can like UConn or not like UConn, I don't care, but go watch a YouTube video of one of his practices, preferably one with Deanna Tarasi in it. And they asked him, like, why do you guys practice the way you do? Why do you do the same thing over and over again? And his response was, a lot of teams practice until they get something right. We practice until we don't get it wrong. And there's a big difference. There's a huge difference. And, you know, now that, you know, South Carolina is where they are in their women's basketball, like UConn, you know, not the dominant force anymore, you know, South Carolina is, but if you look at his track record, what he does with his teams and the national team and the United States team, it says a lot about him and, and, and the love he has for his his uh, his players. And, you know, a person, the story you just told, a person from the outside looking in might look at you and say, he doesn't like his players. He doesn't love that team. Like, I don't know what, he's not a good coach. But... <laughs> What you're doing there is you're, you, there's a lot of lessons to be learned there. And the first, first lesson is like, hey, listen, one, the obvious one is, hey, the coach might know what he's talking about. 
Like that's the first, first, the first biggest <laughs> one, and the biggest oh, right. one is hey, maybe, maybe hold on, wait a Truthfully. second, maybe Coach knows something. But at this point, right, yeah, maybe you've been given yeah. this resource yeah, for a maybe, reason. Oh man, besides <laughs> besides having to buy an extra exactly. shirt, what what if that? What if that? But you know, you know what? A lot of your <laughs> players learned at the same time. They probably learned that they were limiting themselves, and they were learning that I can push harder. Like yeah, these these players are bigger. They might be bigger and stronger, but I have the technique, and technique beats just brute force in every every, every day, day of the week. And I like I like that about what you every did. Day of the week. I like I think a lo- I think so many. And you know it's funny you're talking about. I don't know how long ago this happened, but you're talking about it now. I'm guaranteeing you, a lot of your players and parents are probably going to be talking about. They still probably talk about that game. I know they do. It was six years ago. And you're talking, you're talking about it. I guarantee you they have it in the back of their minds too sometimes. I I mean, I'm still in contact with some of those kids to this day outside of basketball just because. So let's, let's talk about that, which I think is a great part of youth sports and it's the mentorship part of it. Um, Talk about the relationship off the court and how much that means to you with the kids that you coach. I would I would say an insane amount. Actually, kind of speaking on that point, one of the I think as a youth coach, especially dealing with the kind of age age group where I was was kind of that right before high school going into high school era. Or that I guess that honestly the whole junior high when I look back on football and everything else I did besides just high school track it, it, it's weird because you work with them so much at that age and then you send them off and you might not see them for two years and it's almost like they come back sometimes and they look like completely different people and it's like you have to stare at them in the eyes for like a good hard second and then it's like Oh, now I know who I'm talking to. You're bigger than me now. This isn't okay. What happened? What have you been eating? Who are you staying with? What? I need answers. Like, right? Like, <laughs> I've got questions now. But I think that I would say is probably one of the most rewarding parts. Because whether you know this or not, guys, you're not getting paid to coach 14-year-olds at a basketball tournament. And I mean, you got to wake up at for AAU four o'clock in the morning, drive two states over, get real comfortable in a very uncomfortable scenario very quickly and and go from there. So it's it's definitely a lot of it. It's just seeing them later in life almost is, is more enjoyable than I'm not going to say it's more enjoyable than coaching right. sport itself. But, but it's it's up there. I, I get you because. Yeah. You're molding this young mind, like you are molding a, a person, like you're a big, Truthful. you're a big part. Of, like I, I, I remember my coaches, youth coaches. I remember my high school coaches. You know, my college coach and I. Everybody I talked about, we didn't have the greatest relationship, but you know, we kind of made amends after I graduated. But um, it, the, the thing about that, that ten to fourteen, so. 
you're at that age where you have a skill level. Like you can actually run plays, you can actually like do things in practice. You're not just working on fundamentals all the time. And you get to see kids. Like it's amazing that first time. And I, I remember the first time I called a specific play in a game. And I saw it run perfectly and we got a layup out of it. And, and then we ran a, 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 an out of bounds play and we got a, a three in the corner out of it. And I was like, yeah, I, was like man, I looked at my assistant and he looked at me cause we both play ball. And I was like, <laughs> and we just had that look like they're getting it. Like <laughs> it's working, it's working, it's working, it's working. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> am, am I the only one? I, look, I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> but you know, at the same time, I'll, I'll be honest. I had, and, and you probably had this too, where you have a player that just doesn't have it that day. You have a player that you, you know, something there, there, oh. their, their step isn't just as quick. You know, something is just off there. Everything is flat. Nothing like you see the, the shoulders are drooping. Like when you see that yeah. in a, in a game or in a practice, like how have you handled that player in the past? You typically pull them, give them some water. And I typically just ask them, are, are, are you okay? Are, are you feeling, are you feeling anything? Are you feeling any kind of pain or soreness? I typically try and make sure that they understand that you can be sore from working out and not every pain necessarily is one that you've got to push through. Some of them, I do need you to sit down for the day. So kind of that, I typically take that as a, a bit more of a one-on-one -on -one time to educate on, okay, what exactly are you feeling? Does it feel like your hands on top of a candle? Does it feel like you got a paper cut? Does it feel like you stuck your hand in ice water? What, what kind of pain is it, right? And trying to, I think, negotiate with them through those different steps one because quite frankly I've, I've had injuries from pushing through things that i shouldn't have i mean i've got a half torn patella tendon strained acl broke that ankle broke this collarbone tore this hamstring more concussions than i can count it's been a it's been a fun ride right i've learned a thing or two Concussions aside, I and I've remembered <laughs> those things over the years. Not everything I necessarily need you to push through, even even at a young age. So typically, being able to to ask those questions and kind of educate them on, okay, if it feels like you left your hand in an ice water too long, right? And that's kind of the dull soreness, the kind of freezing, foggy sort of sort of pain. Then I need you to move, but I can't have you full on practicing. I need you over here next to me. I'm gonna have you doing certain stretches, yada, 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 for the duration of today. I can explain that to your parents later if they need to talk to me about that, but I'm not gonna have you run that. Typically on game day, Getting them that extra breather, kind of, it, it just helps. I, I noticed you kind of, once they know that you're there enough to notice it, then, and that's kind of the other big thing about the 10 to 14 age group. Sometimes when they're flat like that, 
it's that is a very weird hormonal right. time and that like it's, it's kind of one of those things it's like do you remember being 12 i remember parts of it, it. was I weird wasn't parts it? of it and, and it was just it was that time you were trying to like you didn't know who you were at that point like you really didn't. exactly it's weird but now they have supercomputers in their pockets these these little things that can bring them any sort of amount of information at one given time like like a ridiculous amount of info at one time they're they're interacting with more stimuli than ever some sometimes them noting knowing that you noticed them feeling weird is almost enough on gag day sometimes and i think i've been lucky with that but it's just like and because it wasn't they weren't having any sharp or physical pain that day but i think more so on the emotional side them them knowing i noticed was like that's huge it it meant something and, at that and i wanted to say because the, the way you in for lack of a, a better term kind of dumbed it down and how you made the 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 basically analogy of, of the hand in ice water or, you know, whatever, because kids have no idea that age. They have no idea how to tell you they're hurt. They have like half of them, their, their parents are telling them to push mm -hmm. like whatever you do, you don't stop. Like whatever you do, you don't stop. You keep going, you know? And it's like, yeah. So that's, that's the craziest thing. When I broke this collarbone, my right collarbone, right. And don't get me wrong. I, I love my parents. <laughs> I know where this right? is going. My dad was, my dad was the coach of the team. My mom was on the sidelines, broke my collarbone opening play, played till halftime as a defensive cornerback. Got pulled out, not because I looked hurt, but I made a tackle with terrible form. That's that's the reason I got pulled out. And my dad said when he pulled me out for that, he then realized that my arms were hanging at significantly different lengths. Right. He was like, oh, maybe something's wrong. Lucky for us, we had a team doc. I went over there with him for like five minutes. He's like, yeah, his collarbone snapped. DK, he's, he's done for the year. His collarbone snapped. It's over. My dad was like, all right. My mom was on the sideline like, what are you doing out of the game? Like, Why are your shoulder pads off? What's what's going on? I was like, well, they broke my collarbone. Her face change was just like. <laughs> I I, I, know, I know. I love my mom, but that face change of her being angry, like, why are you on the sideline with your shoulder pads off? To hearing me say, <laughs> it's broken. <laughs> As you can tell, my mother is not that light yeah. complexioned of a lady. To see her face go white was, uh. was uh, <laughs> A once in a lifetime experience. Oh. That so parents, if you're listening, <laughs> that I parents, can tell if you. you're listening, like we are, I listen, I appreciate the mom or the dad's like, hey, push my child. Like I appreciate the person who comes to me and said, listen, they need some dis right. I appreciate that. But at the same time, like the best way to build trust with your child is to let them know if they feel a certain way, mentally, physically, whatever, that they're able to tell you things. Because the moment they try to start hiding right. like injuries, even nagging ones, you know, you get the you get the person who had like I had for my like I had the yeah. ankle and foot injuries. My brother had the knee injuries, and like I can't tell you like how many times 
I probably played on sprained ankles that were probably grade three sprains. They were probably terrible sprains. And I just, it just, just, oh, yeah. Yeah. Tape it tighter. Just tape it tighter. Um, yeah, you, you were supposed you're, to go. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What is... uh, and, 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 and at no point am I the person to compare generations. I think that's kind of a lazy coaching or lazy parenting or whatever it is. Like, of course, they were different. They were years ago. But knowing, yeah. like, the biggest thing that I see, and, and we're going to get into what you're doing now, but the last thing I want to say about this, and, and I definitely want your take on it, is, like, the amount of damage we can do to a child that's body is developing now. The amount of damage we can do if they're constantly walking with a limp because they're favoring one ankle over the other. Or you know this better than anything if your shot changes in basketball. Like your shot will change depending on if you have an injury somewhere because that muscle memory kicks in really quickly. You know, whether you have a, 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 a jammed thumb, whether you have a, a sore knee, if your back, my back gave me issues when I was younger because I grew so quickly, like your shot changes and you overcompensate and then you get healthy again and you wonder why, why, why is my shot flat? Like, why is it everything to the left? Like what? And you have to, and as a coach, you have to reteach those things that like that take, and you could have taken two to three weeks off to get healthy, but you had somebody push through and now it's done a lot of damage and, and. You know, you've probably seen times where you've had to, I don't know if you've had to, you know, kind of pull a player that, that was trying to push through or you got to push back from the parents, but, you know, you have, oh, to, yeah. you have to be there to, you have to be there to make the right decision. And that's tough. People don't understand that as a coach. No. And it's, and that's the, the deal sometimes when you're there as a coach, it's like, I'm, I'm not here to say that I'm a know-it-all or like some genie out of a bottle or an ever, ever turning book of knowledge, right? But I'm here because I've seen a thing or two. I've done this a time or two. I've done this wrong a time or two, and I've done this right a time or two. I know the difference in those two things. I want to make sure it doesn't go wrong for you. Knowing, right, that I've done this wrong a time or two, it hurts. There's no way around it. It is, it is a physically painful experience. Nothing, nothing. There's nothing else I can say about it. it doing it wrong is is physically painful, right? So that's kind of, kind of, the biggest thing about it. And oftentimes, I think sometimes people will see the shorter, shorter version smaller picture it's like look i know this especially for the kind of coaching i'm doing now it's like i know you think if you start this new fad diet you're gonna drop 30 pounds in the next three weeks this is not something we can do it's gonna hurt i've tried it (laughs) you can go against my best wishes but when you end up hurt I'm not going to say I told you so, but I'm going to look at you and it's going to be implied through my facial expression. <laughs> yes, I love You're it. an adult. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything to you, but like. He's making, he's making the face. Everybody just, you don't see it on, on the, the show listening, but he's making the face. So 
But you're absolutely like correct. I, I absolutely correct. It's like I'm I'm not here to say I told you so. That's not my job. But my everybody job in the room, I told everybody you so. in the room is gonna know. Like everybody in the room is gonna know. Like I right and and I that's that's kind of the thing. So having I think having people that only see the smaller picture sometimes, but realistically just trust because of your like when I was coaching in places that parents like when I coached my youth football team that I played in and then I played in high school and then came back and coached youth football. Those parents trusted me because my dad ran the organization. I'm the varsity coach who played here for years and then played elsewhere going on, right? So there was one situation kind of when you mentioned, how, do you have you ever had to pull a player against their will? Yes. Honestly, I love this kid to death. To, the, to this day, I, I'll scream from the rooftops. I love this kid to death, my running back. And he was getting calf cramps. And he was like, I'm, I'm just going to push through it. And I'm like, eh, if you keep pushing through that Charlie horse, it's going to lock on you something else. And when it does, you're going to be down for an extended period of time. So you've got to come. You, you, you've got one or two options. Hey, you can be done for the day. Take your pads off. Go eat some orange slices and, and drink some water. Or B, I could take the tip of this football and I could give you an on-the-spot soft tissue massage. That's going to hurt. It's that's I 100% promise you is going to be a painful experience, but we're going to work out that we're going to work out that kink so your leg can function fluidly. Because if we don't get that ball out now, it's going to become a much bigger issue, right? He's on the sidelines arguing with me. His mom is on the sidelines laughing. And that's that when the, that benefit of when you've got that trust, right? Because at this point, she knows, like, hey, I'm about to solve a problem and it's going to be uncomfortable. She's laughing because it's going to hurt. But also, it's going to be beneficial. So he's not, like, realistically getting injured. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've had him in, at some point of physical therapy and injury. But you know what I'm talking about when I say a deep, soft tissue massage. It's not fun. If, guys, if you're listening at home and you're like, oh, massage, that sounds amazing, like a spa day, and you get cucumbers on your eyes, and it's, no, it's not a good time. It's not a good time. A big, heavy man is going to lean his elbow into your back, hip, knee, quad, as deep as he can put his elbow. This is not going to, it's not a good time, right? And I'm like, look, man, those those are your options. He's like, all right, do the same. Like, I, I got to get back in there. But having that level of trust is like okay you are you're still looking at the smaller picture but you trust that i see the bigger picture and now you're going to get a significantly like a significantly larger return right and that i think is always appreciated i i agree and you know i think some of the best youtube videos are the ones out there uh with the bodybuilders getting their deep tissue massages and you see these guys they're hilarious huge men huge strong men and why they decide to Willing. why they decide to record this <laughs> i think it's amazing but these they're in I'm, I'm glad they did though yes i'm glad they did it because it was a truth that needed to come out <laughs> yes. because when i got my first injury and hurt i was going in for a deep soft tissue massage 
My heart was in the moon. I was so excited. I couldn't wait. I said, book me first thing in the morning. I'm going to have some hot cocoa on my way. This is right. I'm, I'm planning out to have a ball. Right. And this is this is me going into it, not knowing what it is. I'm, I hear the word massage. I think I'm going to have a good time. And then I, I got my leg fixed and it was not comfortable. Right. It's kind of that. And I think that's one of the places I learned my honestly, my coaching mentality of it's not my job to make you comfortable. It's my job to make you dominant. Because it was I mean, I would have physical therapists who are like, hey, man. You know, I love you, right? And it's like, if he's starting off with that, whatever's on the game plan today is is not fun, right? Like, if I walk in and he goes, hey, you know, I love you, right? We're going to have a bad day. And that's, I, that, I, I understand it at this point. But, over time, we got to the point where I was like, yeah, it's not your job to make me comfortable. It's your job to make make me the best me I can be, right? And while I'm probably going to scream and cuss at you today while we're doing this, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be giving you a hug tomorrow because you're the only reason that I could run today, right? So that's that's kind of... That, that physical therapy aspect is almost a lot of where I got it from. Yeah. Of like, yeah, it's, I, I it's, cuss, it's a helpful yeah. hot seat, but it's a hot seat indeed. Yeah. Oh, I cuss my, my personal trainer. I cuss at him every time. Like, and he tells me, <laughs> he tells me it is, uh, it's not my job to have you like me. Like he's a, he's a nice guy. Listen, he's a nice guy. I would hang out with him. Yeah. And some of the, like, he'll just look at me and like have a certain, um, like uh, certain, you know, thing we're going to do certain, you know, like he'll bring a certain weight out and I know exactly what it's for, or just, he'll bring the rope, something and I'll be, and he'll look at me and be like, you know what we're doing right. Now. I just put my, I think I hate you so Does much. Does he have this weird smile when he looks at you always. and says that? Always. Cause always. I always have this weird smile when I look at my clients and say that. And I promise you for the life of me, I try my hardest not to. I really, I really, really do. I try my hardest not to, and it never works. Oh, man. It doesn't. And he talks about me like while I'm doing it to other people and they're like, Oh, <laughs> that looks difficult. And he's like, he signed up for it. Like, don't blame this on me. Like he's paying me. And I was like, damn it. He's right. I keep paying him to do this. <laughs> But, um, but talk about so you kind of you, you got your own thing going so you what you in your bio you're helping you know dads and and men in their uh, and you know, adults that and you mm. kind of mentioned it you're like if you're looking for hey i want to lose 30 pounds 30 days you're not the person like austin wheeler is not the person but what you're doing with these dads is you're kind of changing their behaviors and making them get into fitness, make sure they stay fit. Kind of talk about the work you're doing now with these men. So as crazy as this sounds, right, this all started off with an experiment that I started sophomore year. So I got my degree in psychology. Sophomore year, I started doing extra research in terms of kind of 
more than more than what was required. But I ended up traveling a lot and, and being able to give a lot of presentations on, on some really cool information. But what my research was on was parental factors that thing that will affect drug abuse patterns as an adult, right? So what what are parents doing that affects this this particular point in life? And that was kind of my my start to behavioral change and, and this overall my overall outlook on how we can rewire people for more successful behavior. Right. So coming from as being a youth coach, obviously I, I would start to see that I can't really make a twelve year old change his diet by making him go to the store and buying something different. He's twelve, doesn't have a car, he doesn't have any money. He's gonna eat Cheetos if Cheetos are in front of him. He's gonna eat carrots if carrots are in front of him. Like the, you know what I mean? So, it it all kind of stemmed from from this research I was doing. But then experiment number two was my roommate at the time. Fun fact: I love this guy. He's still down like I think forty to sixty pounds. He originally dropped sixty, and he's kind of hovering at forty pounds lower than where where he was when we first moved in together and that was six years ago right so developing habits that are going to keep weight off of you for years is, is kind of where where I'm at now and what a lot of my workload is now is how do I look at basically your habits and lifestyle and from an ROI perspective that's honestly always the way I look at it Return on investment was the smallest change I can have you make to your current day-to-day that's going to get the biggest result back. And and so from there, we can kind of maybe not get rid of foods, but change a couple things in the recipe, right? It's like you don't have to totally quit on all of your favorite stuff. We can, to be honest, there's there's enough recipes out there nowadays that we can figure out how to work in all of your favorite unhealthy foods make them healthy without changing the taste it's doable it's not going to be the the same stuff we can pull out of boxes all the time right but it's it's doable if we can work on that habit and realistically because the the resistance training that i need to add typically for somebody who's just trying to get back in shape isn't anything crazy I need to teach you how to, one, find your own unique weaknesses in terms of where your muscles are weak, and then basically just build you a continuum sort of plan that you're going to go on moving forward that's going to build you in the way that I need it and fix kind of whatever muscle imbalance in the way that we need. That, what we can, we're going to work together for a few months, and I can send you off with that. It's going to last a lifetime that the the training plan isn't kind of the craziest most difficult thing for me to figure out it's a lot of it is how do i change the daily habits because realistically if we took a poll of every american adult and we said hey how many cups of water should you drink in a day and how many cups of water do you drink in a day all of those people would have different answers whether they know the standard eight cups in a day and I'm only drinking two or whether they know the right answer or not, excuse me, it's, it's typically a different answer, right? So it's not that 
people are completely oblivious. It's, we need to figure, kind of figure the psychology of it out. Why are we not making these things happen? All right, what's, what's stopping these things from happening? What kind of schedule can we use to make these things happen? How, what are we going to use physically as a mechanism? What are we going to be eating? What are we going to be doing to make these things happen? And, and kind of trying to find a, a more fun and sustainable way of making those things happen often works for me. So I, I make people go play with their kids. It's crazy, but it's also a good time. It, you might have a cardio day where I force you to chase an eight-year-old. I'm comfortable with that. That's perfect. That's per <laughs> but you, I, there's so many things that I love about that. And the, the biggest thing, of course, is the, the behavioral changes that are involved because at no point, I should say at no point, but for so many people, and, and you know, when we're recording this, we're getting close to the new year's. I don't know when it's going to come out. Probably we'll be into the new year, most likely or right before it. Um, there's so many people are about to make new year's resolutions real quick. They're about to make them. Um, I'm a big proponent and don't even, don't even do it. Not worth it. Because what happens is people say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to lose 20 pounds and I'm going to change the way I eat. I'm not going to eat after eight o'clock. I'm going to play with my kids. I'm going to do more. And it's like, after a while, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Like you're setting yourself yeah, up. Yeah. And then you just feel bad when you do none of those things after <laughs> exactly. two weeks. It's like, why did, why did we give all of these foolish rules in the first place? Right. For me to not follow these foolish rules when they weren't going to help me anyways. Now, if someone gets with, you know, Austin and Austin says, Hey, listen, you know, we're nothing's going to be over five to 10 pounds in the first month, but I want you to tell me, you know, how often did you, did you move for 30 minutes? Like, tell me if you, you know, what do you like to eat? You know, how can we make that healthier? What little changes we can make? Oh, and by the way, like none of this is going to be instantaneous. I want to, I want to put that out immediately. Like none of this is going to be instantaneous. Right. And you might, honestly, and you probably have, you might lose some people. But, but one thing I do want to say about that is, one, nothing's going to be instantaneous, kind of just like you were saying, but mm -hmm. to jump off that, you'd be surprised at how fast it's going to happen once, right. We, right. once we actually start applying yeah. the step, once we actually start applying our steps. I mean, right? it, it is, you're not going to, you're not going to be like, Superman tomorrow, right. right? But at the same time, three months from now, like there's there's times where I've worked with people for three months, and then I will literally force them to look at the picture of themselves right. three months ago, mm -hmm. and it's like you have a different face now than that guy. Who is that? Right, we don't know him. <laughs> kind of, kind of. A That's deal. the thing that goes first. The face goes first. The face always goes first. And you know, exactly, oh, people might it might go down like one waist size, but then you put the the face, the, the pictures together, and you're like, yeah, I bet your I bet your fitted doesn't fit anymore. I bet your fitted's too big right now. Go try your fitted on real quick. And it's like, oh, I, mm -hmm. I was a seven mm -hmm. and, and three fourths. Like I, that's way too it's big. Like, oh. <laughs> Now it looks like you're wearing your older cousin's hat, huh? <laughs> you remember them days? Did I touch a soft spot with that one? <laughs> no. Ears flapping down. That looks like your older cousin's hat, nephew. 
I, I, that's the first thing I noticed is like, oh, like a while back when I did my, it's like, man, this, how does my head shrink? I didn't know this was fat up here. It's like, yep, you have fat in your temples. Mm-hmm. You had fat at mm-hmm. your temples, man. That's terrible. But, I, will, I will make people look at a picture of themselves three months ago and now. It's funny. I, I just got done doing it with, with a guy where I, you know, you pretty much just screenshot his face. Because this was one of my online guys. Kind of, we're sitting in a in a little chat room like you and I are now. I screenshot his face. I put it next to, I, I've got a little app on my phone. You can just put two pictures next to each other and send it as one picture. I put his current face next to his old face and send it to him while we're on the phone. And I say, hey, check, look look at the email I just sent. Look at, look at that picture and tell me what you think. And he just looks at it. He looks back up at me and he's like, did you edit this? I'm like, no, dude, that's, <laughs> that's no. legit. Scroll, scroll three months back in the chat. That's work. That is legit. That is not, he's like, is this Photoshop? No, you look like a different person. So it's not going to be instant, but once we, once we start applying some, some real solid steps, mm-hmm. three to six months, there's a good chance somebody who hasn't seen you in eight months to a year won't recognize you. And that's that's kind of my favorite part. It's like, oh, I had to tell somebody who I was. They didn't believe me. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't believe you either. (laughs) I was here the whole time. That's why I know, right? It wasn't... So, so some if somebody wants to, so if, if you talk about virtual, like if somebody wants to get a hold of you, if somebody wants to start this process with you, how do they find you online? Honestly, Instagram, LinkedIn are, are the two easiest. And realistically, you can, you can just reach out. I'm not a very complicated guy. Love There's that. typically links in my bio where you can fill out a little bit more information about yourself in terms of app, an application. It's, it's not like an actual, you have to apply. It's just kind of like a, you're filling out information about yourself because truthfully to, for me to make your life different, I need to know about you and your life. I don't necessarily need to tell you about myself. I need to know what you already like to do so I can kind of make little adjustments to what you're already doing and figure out how we're going to make your life successful and that's your lifestyle successful. Now we we might add some work and out to that lifestyle. Right. Oh, but, yeah. 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 Uh, right. <laughs> right. We might add, we're going to add a couple of things. Don't, don't get it twisted. <laughs> not just. Uh, we're not just going to sit here and that's not and, all yeah. peaches and cream. <laughs> we are going to figure out how to make your lifestyle successful. There we that's go. The, that's, that's the big, that's the, the big word. Like that's that. the big word. Success, successful and, and set and being set up for success. And. So it, it, this has been a great conversation. Before I let you go, I, I think I want you to talk to that person who hasn't pulled the trigger yet. They haven't, like they know they're not in the place they want to be, but life has just hit them in the chest. Kids, job, you know, volunteer work, just no time to, to really do the things they want to do. Every excuse, and you've heard them, you've heard them, like every excuse mm-hmm. end of the book. So that person who's listening right now, who just says, hey, Mark, hey, Austin, like, I love what you're doing. I love what you're saying. I, I want to be that person, but I just don't have time. 
what do you say to that person? I'm going to tell you like I, like I told one of my absolute favorite 14 year old quarterbacks who was having issues getting his hands up in press coverage. If you keep waiting to not get hit, you're never going to have a chance to do anything. It's coming. It's coming. At, at what point are you going to decide that you're going to hit back? Because realistically, I, I can't promise you that it's ever going to stop. Right. And and it sounds kind of doom and gloom. Trust me. I say that out of love. I really do. It's not going to stop. Right. At, at some point, we're going to have to we're going to have to start doing something. So if it's not now, then you're basically saying, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and let life punch me in the face a good 15 more times. And then I'm going to decide like, and, and that's kind of the way it is in football. It's that's the way it is everywhere else. And that's what I'm telling you now at home listening. And what I told him that day is like, you're going to end up having a bad day if you wait for the punches to stop coming. You're going to get hit a lot. You're going to get hurt. You're going to be on the ground. It's not going to be a good time. You're going to be beating bruised if you wait for it to stop. I, we can do something now, or we could not. But it, it's coming either way, right? I would I would love to prepare you in a way that I know you're going to be successful, right? Because I like I know I can make you successful, but at that same time, it like it's it's coming, right? So either we, either we're going to do it or we're or we're not. Those punches are still coming, young man. They're still. I I absolutely love that, and I might have to steal that. Uh, because I think that speaks. Can to we put that on a T-shirt? We need to because, like, you're absolutely right. Like, did we just come up with something? Hold on. Let's write that Hold down. On. Let's write that down. Like, write that down. like the the PTA meeting, punch in the face. All right, the meeting at work, punch in the face. Like soccer practice, punch. In, like everything is gonna be. But that one moment, you're like, you know what? I'm gonna wake up 15 minutes early today, and I'm gonna. You know, I'm gonna do something for me. I'm, I'm, over. I'm gonna go ahead and punch I'm, life yeah, I'm back, punch life back. I'm gonna put the phone down for half an hour. I'm not gonna watch, you know, I know I like to watch my shows on Thursday night, but you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a treadmill or I'm gonna go for a walk and I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to, you know, there's so many things mm-hmm. we can do. There's so many ways we can, in your words, punch back. And I love, I absolutely love that. That was great. Um, Awesome. Yeah, this is. is That's the only way I I I truly understand, and it's unfortunate that I'm so blunt with that uh, to the viewers listening at home. I do apologize. My dad was in the Navy, so there are a couple things in life that I am pretty straightforward on, and that's just the way it is. And that that's kind of one of those lessons I learned at home growing up. That's don't. That's the way it is. Don't ever change. Don't ever. The punches are coming. 
Uh, <laughs> you, yeah. you can get punched or punch back. I don't know. You decide. Uh, Austin, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for all the work you do. I'm going to go ahead and post your, all your socials on the show notes. This has been a pleasure. I appreciate everything you've done for, for youth sports. Like I, I think volunteerism is one of the best things we could do as adults, even as young adults. I think giving back to the youth because there's there's a mm -hmm. huge, like, and this is data-driven, there's a huge amount of kids that are quitting sports before the age of 16. Um, oh, yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate. And we have to do better as parents, as coaches, as mentors to make sure we keep the game fun, informative, we're technically sound as coaches, and we're, honestly, we take care of our, our mental health too because as coaches, we can't fly off the handle of everything. And as parents, we have to understand that coaches coach and we parent. And I tell parents all the time, if you want to tell your kid what to do on the court, I would love for you to be a coach. We need more of them. We need more. Learn the game. Like, learn the game. Please learn the game. But you can yeah. be a coach. Because I've had a couple coaches that just signed signed down the form mm -hmm. and, and ended up there growing up. So, so it was there. There we've, we've, I think we've all had one. Yeah, right. It's not happens. something that's like that's super prevalent. But, but it happens. So. Austin, thank you very much. You keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate you, and you have a good rest of your night, okay? Yeah, thank you. You as well. A huge thank you to our guest this week, Mr. Austin Wheeler. Please check him out, check out his coaching and training, and definitely give him a like and a follow. Remember the role that coaches play in our lives, man. Coaches are important, leaders are important, and we need those people to mentor and be great role models for our kids. As always, Relatively Normal is written, produced, and edited by me, Mark Paisant. And if you or anyone you know is in crisis, please contact the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988 on any phone.